0: Hallelujah! I'm so glad I serve a live Christ and not a dead Muhammad. If you're a good Muslim, you can go to Mecca. Or Zedina's S- 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 where his body lay, but you can go pay homage to Muhammad. He's got a grave. You can, the people come by the thousands. And if you're a Christian, you can go to, I just was there a few days ago. In fact, on Tuesday, I was at the garden tomb where Jesus lay. And there used to be a plaque there that said, he's not here. (laughs) (laughs) For he has risen. You know, Jesus never told his disciples to take notes. Imagine on the Beatitudes Hill, he's got all these people around him. He says, Peter, John, guys, write this down. Blessed, two S's, blessed blessed. are, they didn't take any notes, but he did tell them, go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. A most unusual thing because uh, if you understand what the culture they came from, they have no idea what to expect. They've already functioned in the healing and deliverance. Peter came back from one of the trips and said, even the devil gives way to us, Jesus, and they're excited about that. But when he died and rose from the grave, they experienced his resurrection. And when Jesus came looking for Peter, there he was, back at the fishing waters, fishing like he was before. Having been called from the nets, he was, went right back to it. But now Jesus says, as he's going to ascend now from the Mount of Olives, he says that go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. Now Jesus did say, I will not leave you alone. I will send the comforter. He said that. But in my estimation, hello, Marius. I, I, in my estimation, he left them for ten days. Well, that's not fun. Why? Would, when are you going to send the Holy Ghost? It seems to me that the Holy Ghost did come, and he was looking for the church, and they were all over the place. But then there came a Jewish feast called Shaviot or as you call Pentecost. It's a celebration of the Pentateuch, the five first books of Moses. And it's a celebration, one of the feasts, 50 days after after the Passover. And so they gathered together. That's what happened. These 120 men, women, and children, by the way, so was the mother of Jesus there too. They gathered together. They actually came together. And they began to worship. And I think the Holy Ghost was hovering. Oh, there's the church. There it is. Had they come together a little earlier... Had they been praying and praising, I think we would have had an outpouring before the day of Pentecost. So it seems to me that if you, we, would, we didn't desperately need this outpouring. You're talking about the God of revival here. I see you singing that song. But in the last 2,000 years in the church and all the oppression, suppression and persecution of the church... It's very clear to me every time we call what we call revival, awakening, move of God. It's always precedent by two things. The one I see is always sacrificial prayer. Sacrificial prayer. And the second thing is welcoming the Holy Spirit as a person. Not some ghost floating around, but an actual person and embracing him and giving him honor and recognition and space. And not being afraid. It's actually in this very same family that I went through an experience that taught me a lot. Pastor Ed Rapert was always hungry for the Holy Ghost. And we used to have ministry microphone. Remember that? We had a whole row up open in the front, and one of the 28 pastors would be on duty, and you'd watch that row fill up during the service of worship, as the people got songs, or psalms, or a prophetic word, or an imagery. And then the pastor and dude would pick a couple of those and send them up to the microphone, And then, it would be about 30 people, he'd pick two or three maybe, and they would share what they had. One day, I remember Pastor Ed on the platform, folded arms, this guy went up and I saw the pastor talking to Pastor Ed, they were debating whether they should allow this, but this guy felt he was supposed to blow in the microphone. And when I heard this, I said, oh God, no, oh God, no, oh God, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Because I couldn't imagine what it would look like, someone blowing in the microphone. Really, Pastor Ed? And your dad was crazy enough to give the Holy Ghost a chance. And I, I sweat drops of blood myself when I watched that guy go up there and start blowing whoo, in the microphone. And it was quiet in that church. I mean, it was a Sunday evening. It was quiet, you couldn't hear a pin drop. And he pastor he just looked up to the heaven like he always did, folded arms, just looked up. And, and <laughs> the guy blew again and I'm going, okay, the first time was bad enough, don't do it the second time. And sure enough, after about five minutes, the, Someone let out a scream in the back of the church. We all looked and then another. It just broke out a Holy Ghost pandemonium. And Pastor Ed was always willing to take a chance for the Holy Ghost to move. If you stay in the boat, you'll never walk on the water. I'd rather walk and sink a little than never walk. I don't mind the sinking. I can always get up. But I don't want to stay in the boat and play it safe. Because we need the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you the truth that recently the Lord told me that there's going to be an awakening throughout the world of his church. And it will look, the church will be divided. Only half the church will really be the church. other, they will have the appearance, but deny the power. So me, my little chirpiness, I said to the Lord, I suppose they won't have the Holy Ghost and tongues and all that stuff. And God said, no, they'll have all that. Even miracles and healings. I said, well, I I don't get it. How do they deny the power thereof? And the Lord said to me, the real power. That the devil can't counterfeit is the transformation of lives when the holy ghost gets a hold of someone it's not just falling the floor and laughing crying they get up transformed I've seen entire families in one day change I've seen people come into this church angry and full of wanting to hurt pastor Ed and becoming one of the best members in this church. I've seen things happen as the Holy Ghost and we need the Holy Ghost in this country again to awaken. I was saved here in this country in 1960, uh, mid 60s, anyway, so <laughs> and I was saved in a very Pentecostal church. Boy, they spoke in tongues loud and it was, it was, it was uh, for a young teenager it was quite something and we used to have to go out in the corners and speak with these funny little microphones with batteries in it and Uh, testify on the street corners and people, my friends in school would go by and get embarrassed and all those things and be a real testimony to pray all through the night. And nobody got saved but maybe once every three, four months, a person. And then something broke loose in South Africa. I can't tell you how or why, what caused it. It just broke loose and people started getting saved everywhere all the time. Even now we have police directing traffic in, in Johannesburg and to certain churches because there's so, so many big churches, so much traffic, because people go to church. And what you think is mundane and ordinary, it's not. Even, even now we still have the remnant of the move of God in this nation. If you don't believe it, just come to America. Go to church, any church you like, and you'll find how dull it is compared to here. If I, when I went to America early years, I used to minister there and I'd witness to the waitress or waiter, and they would always find it intriguing and feel guilty about their lives and try and I could pray for them. And as time went on, uh, the younger generation didn't know about Jesus because school, school stopped teaching the Lord. And now the easier is if I testify to a waiter or waitress, they'll call the manager to tell me to stop or leave. Here I'm too scared to testify to a waitress. A waitress was <laughs> indubitably every time. they saw so on fire. I don't get food. They just witness and talk about the Lord all the time. <laughs> Why am I telling you this is because we've had a wave of God. And I believe God wants to do another thing. And this church, this particular family of God, is renowned for letting the Holy Ghost do what he wants. And so I'm hoping that we'll let that happen again. Do you understand? The day of Pentecost, if if you know where the Zion gate is of Israel, is close to where David's tomb is, even to this day. And the upper room's location is literally a stone's throne, if that much, from that. And that's why people coming on the celebration would hear these people speaking in tongues. Now there were 120 in the upper room. And not 115 or 110 or 119, but all 120 spoken tongues. Every one of them. Men, women, and children. No one told them how, what to do. It just happened. In fact, a noise came in that place like a wind. The funniest thing with God, he never can do anything quietly. Even in the Garden of Eden, they heard the sound of God. It's always a sound or a noise where the Holy Ghost is moving. When Zekel spoke to the bones, they rattled and made a sound in that valley, a noise. There's always a, a noise. If you don't like the noise, there is a half hour silence in Revelation for you, but it's only a half hour. Not long. So you may as well get used to the sound. You can't think in tongues. You can't think to the mountain. You have to speak and voice it because sound we make a joyful noise to God we clap our hands all you people sound must come because that's how God designed it and so on the day of Pentecost or Shaviot this noise came in that place like a wind rushing wind and what looks like little tongues of fire and nobody told them and they just began to speak Now, I'm sure there's some beautiful people of God in this room today that maybe struggle to speak in tongues and have been prayed for and would like to. It's not complicated. Take it from me. It's not your faith that's lacking, nor your righteousness or integrity or blamelessness. It's simply your intellect. Your brain formulates words, and you control what comes out of your mouth. But when it comes from tongues, it comes from inside of your spirit, not your head. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I will pray with my understanding, I will pray in my spirit, I will sing in my spirit, and I will sing with my understanding. Two different things altogether. Your brain is inoperable, not functioning, which many of you will feel relieved and happy about not having to use your brains. <laughs> However, <laughs> when you are struggling to speak in tongues, the devil is so frightened of it that he'll tell you, making this up. You're just saying that same word over and over, or you heard someone say that, word, he'll try and stop you. And I always tell you, just make the devil mad and keep saying that word until it uncorks and all of it comes. Because it will transform your life and empower you on a different level. All right, stay with me now. On the day of Pentecost, something profound happened. 3,000 people got saved. If you'd been to the city of Jerusalem, you'd know how crazy that sounds because there's no space. Where would you put 3,000 people? They all would be down the temple maybe, but not in those narrow streets. The city would be very difficult to, in one day, reach 3,000 people. And yet they got saved. And every day the Holy Ghost was moving. Every day people were getting saved. Every day they were getting healed and supernatural was happening. There, There was so much Holy Ghost In one spot. Understand that what's all over the earth today was in one spot as he came to the church. All of that concentration of glory and power was in one spot. And so people were experiencing the supernatural. No one asked them to. They didn't have to try and receive and teach on tithes and offerings. They brought all they had. No one told them to, they just did. It was automatic, supernatural moves and people's hearts are moved and turned and they met every day, listening to the apostles' teachings and watching them do miracles every day, sharing bread and having fellowship every day, every single day. And they got saved every day. People got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and healed every day. There was a couple that saw their friends who were wealthy would give all their money and just abandon and go to this crazy sect this new religion that had taken this place by storm, and they thought, well, you know, we're not saved. We don't know what this salvation is, but we're only part of this club. So they sold everything they had and gave half of it away to the church and kept the other half. And of course, they it killed them. People think that God judged them, but God didn't judge them. It was simply the anointing was just too strong for the deceitfulness, darkness. Second Corinthians two. That's the Bible. Under the seas, 2 Corinthians in Testament says, chapter 2, that we are a fragrance of life to those being saved and a fragrance of death to those not. So you have one fragrance with two different effects. People get blessed who receive you, honor you, recognize your salvation, and people that defy you consistently will have that spirit of death affect them. That's why Jesus prayed while they were nailing him have mercy on them, I don't know what they're doing, same with Stephen, he prayed for mercy because the spirit of death would get on them because he's giving off a fragrance which dwells inside of him, and it's in your real life, it really works, and so on the day of Pentecost, when this Ananias fire came lying, it wasn't God's judgment, but the anointing was so strong that was healing people automatically, consistently, that it also had that same effect, the same with Uzzah, who brought, was bringing the Ark of the Covenant in and on the Philistine's cart, when he began to steady it, it killed him, not because God was mad, but because the anointing was too strong for him. He wasn't one of the priests, he wasn't assigned to it, and so it is also that the nice of Fire had lied, and was so much glory in one place. Now the anointing's been spread abroad and around all over by the division of the church. If he can get one to put a 1,000 to flight and two 10,000 to flight, you know the unity certainly promotes and brings the Holy Spirit. And the devil does all he can to get us to be offended in the church or politically somehow challenged in the church. We don't want to do certain things or we don't like certain things. But if we really are united, we create an atmosphere for the Holy Ghost to come in power. And when he does begin to come, there are things that happen. Let me tell you, the devil does all counterfeit signs and wonders. Am I boring you? You got awfully quiet over here. You <laughs> got so quiet. I thought, Did I not do something? Know. So, when the supernatural begins to happen, there's always some person doing some strange thing. I remember Pastor, I learned a lot from Pastor Idre, but you ever heard of him? Yeah, I, a lot from him. so I quote him often to this day. I quote him all the time. I remember him saying that, uh, do I, does he think the Holy Ghost is making this person ride a bike on the floor upside down in his, in his mind or laugh and so on? It was naughty from the back. And they were doing all these funny things and Pastor Ed said, no, it's not the Holy Ghost making them do that. It's them responding or reacting to the Holy Ghost. And he says, I don't mind if people react as long as the Holy Ghost is moving, they can react any way they like. So we don't get judgmental. People act strange and weird. The only thing is, if the Holy Ghost is touching you, I hope you're going to be changed when you get up. Otherwise, something's very strange to me. But we need some of that Holy Ghost outpouring in our nation. We need it in the government. We need it in our lives. We need to rub off rubble wherever we go. We need in this church to give us a little more freedom of the Holy Ghost to move in supernatural. It is the most exciting. That's the one thing Pastor Ed always pursued his whole life was the Holy Ghost. He wanted the supernatural. Whatever it took, you'll take chances. And you're going to have to take a little bit of a step of faith sometimes for the supernatural to happen. We need to have that to have the spirit of harmony and love and unity. There's nothing that transforms like the Holy Spirit. Then we can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to take it somewhere else. We've got to keep that fire inside of us and transport it. So when you come to church, we come here to... And to worship the Lord. And may I ask you then, when you come to this church, to come prepared in your heart to receive and to be a blessing, not just to come all messed up because what happens on a Sunday morning, it takes a while to get them out the door because mom has to do so much with the children and she's late and he's getting annoyed at her. And so the time we walk in the door, we're not a happy family yet. And then all the singing, and then Pastor John gets up and he starts to motivate us and we feel a lot better. And now we're ready to worship God. And now the worship ends and we go into the word. We didn't really get to worship. A whole lot because we weren't ready for it, and it's a single thing. It's the single thing that God is looking for: worshippers, worshippers. Now, singing's not worship. Singing is just a tool. Worship is what brings the presence of God because He's He so wants to be where He's worshipped and loved. Do you understand? He wants. He's looking forward to it. So, on Sunday morning, we gather here together, and I'm those watching out there. I'm glad you're watching, but it's not the same as gathering. Let me explain to you how that works. You all heard, heard of Saul at Tarsus, right? Heard of him? He's on his road to Damascus, going north. He's been working hard to stamp out this crazy Christianity that's fighting what he grew up with to known as Judaism. And so he's doing what he's very best, he's sincere. He's got a whole lot of Roman soldiers with him, and a blinding light hits him. And this voice speaks to him, calls him by name. Saul! Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, the men around him didn't hear a voice, didn't hear talking, but they heard something. They heard a sound. Now, why would they hear a sound? If it was an audible voice, they all would have heard the same thing. It wasn't audible. It was supernatural, and God had to intensify the anointing so strongly, so, so powerfully, because this man, Saul, was so far from God. He was going the opposite direction. So, anointing had to be very intense on him, and it was so much anointing that it spilled over to the soldiers that they heard something. Their spiritual ears were stimulated too, but not enough to hear all the words. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, gets up and runs to Eli, having thought that Eli called him. To him, it sounded like a notable voice. And it was anointing that stimulated him, and he said to Eli, You called me. Eli woke up and said, I didn't call you. I'm sleeping, boy. Go back. Now, the first time you he wouldn't hear an audible voice, surely, but the second or third time is, Eli's awake now. But it wasn't audible, it was supernatural. And so there's certainly a power in the gathering when we gather here together and the worship creates an atmosphere of anointing and it'll spill over. And the one time you missed the gathering was a time that God would have touched you or received what you're looking for. So I'm saying make an effort. Don't miss the service. Make sure you come. If you have to wear that silly mask, then wear that mask, but... But come, because you never know what, you know, churches often like eating. You know, we have these spectacular Christmas dinners or some good restaurants, but then we have the times we just a little soup or a sandwich, but they all nourish you. You go to church and there's spectacular ministry and Ed Trout comes along and prophesies, makes you laugh, and then other times it's just a normal teaching and it wasn't, it was okay, it was nothing, but they both nourished you. You, if, you don't, if you don't come, you'll become malnourished. You won't notice it the first few times, but after a while, you start leaking. You get irritable. You're impatient. You start saying things out of your mouth that you never thought you would say. Where'd that come from? Because you're now becoming disconnected. You're not getting the, nourished spiritually. You're becoming, becoming anemic spiritually. So I'm here to tell you it's time, and we're going into a new season. He's saying, he's celebrating two years of COVID. COVID is no threat to me. It's only an opportunity for us to let our light shine. Do you understand? I'm not threatened by Ukraine or any other situation. (laughs) Because God has not changed one inch. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he doesn't tell us of these things. He will not tell us of these things because we can't handle it. Because we react or panic and we behave weird already without knowing half the stuff. And he wants us to have a focus and a confidence in him. If God would tell us, if he told the disciples, I want you to go to the other side and by the way, there's a mega storm coming, they wouldn't have faith focused on the other side. Their faith would be focused on trying to get ready for the storm. They'd prepare themselves. They would do all they can to survive a storm, not... Get to the other side. When we as children of God, we the salt of the earth, we're supposed to be focused on the other side. That's what we do. We encourage the ones around us that are full of fear. And if you don't encourage people, if you're not positive and full of life and faith, then you are not salty. You have no light. You're not worth anything, but we trampled if you have no saltiness. Are you here? Are you listening to what I'm saying? We need the Holy Ghost back supernaturally in our churches. And we're not gonna celebrate covid Or any other thing, we're going to celebrate the same unchanging God that is our Lord and our refresher and our redeemer and our strength giver. He's the one. I don't wanna talk about a program, I wanna talk about the Lord. I wanna talk about how wonderful he is because he's a good God. He answers prayer, he called, when you call he answers, he's there to help you. He's so invested and interested in your life. You are the apple of his eye. You mean everything to him. Not a single angel is worth anything compared to you. There wasn't one angel worth redeeming. Not one angel lake of fire is waiting for them. But for you who've messed up so many times he redeems you consistently because he have his dna he made you in his image and he gave everything he had to redeem you he was not about to lose you that important to him with all your messed upness with all the mistakes you've made and the damage you've done to your little self god is not stressed you're on this journey passing through this life preparing for an eternity it's real it is real you have to if you don't believe it just watch the heathens They'll tell you how real it is. They don't believe in God, but you mention Jesus and they get uncomfortable. Mention Hare Krishna, they find it interesting. Watch any movie you like and hear them cuss, swear. They use our Lord's name. Why can't they say Oma for Muhammad's sake? (laughs) Hare Krishna. (laughs) They use only one name because there is another name given There is no one like him and you belong to him You are his treasure He redeemed you and bought you with a great price There's no one like him He's the almighty God He loves you and he's intensely for you in every way Can you say amen to that Amen, amen to that amen. amen thank you Somebody heard me <laughs> I'm so glad to be here today, and the Holy Ghost, I was going to teach something else, but the Holy Ghost is wanting to impress himself back in this family on a a very high level. And so I'm wanting to get you all prepared for that, and if you'll let me read a little portion. May I read the Bible? Is that okay with you? (laughs) Have you heard of the book of Acts? The book of Acts. Well, you know, Uncle Luke wrote the book of Acts. He was a very interesting man. He uh, came from Greece. He was a Greek boy. His dad sold, sold vegetables. But he himself <laughs> went to school and, and he became a medical doctor. And of course, they grew up in philosophy. And You can see Luke who reconstructed the book of Luke. You can see how that he was influenced and the people he got references from. So he got several accounts of what happened and wrote down the story. But he's the only one. He's the only one of all the gospels that even gives any kind of credence to Mary or Joanne, the three women that were supportive financially of Jesus, because nobody in the Jewish culture acknowledges women, but Luke comes from a place where they have female goddesses. It was no big deal, and he gives recognition to women. I tell you, it's my confident experience that women have always been God's secret weapon, and we need not to hold back on women's ministries. We need to give them space to flow on, on every level, Because there won't be women in heaven, and you won't be a man in heaven. Do you understand what I'm telling you? That's what Jesus said. I'm not rewriting the Bible. It's in the Bible. And we're praying for that same kingdom that's in heaven to come here and choose life. So we're not prepared to lose any more ministry because someone's a female. Can, Can you say amen to that? All right. And if you guys are too lazy to pray, then let the woman do the job. I'm too old to care if you like me. I, I really am too old for that. I do care about God's kingdom though. And I want my, my brethren, my fellows, my men to get a little bit, of, little bit of go in them. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent, take it by force. That's why I want you guys to, I pray for you guys. I, I want the force to be with you. I want you guys to get a little forceful in your prayer time. Don't wait for your wives to help you or someone to inspire you. Get on your knees and call on God. Be the one that prays. Thank you for that excitement. All right. So I'm reading, from the book of, I'm reading from the book of Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to all these things. Prayer, bread, breaking of bread and and fellowship in chapter 2 42. Everyone at choose life was filled with awe at many wonders and signs that will be performed in this house. And all the believers were together. We were together. We were family and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. God, they're sharing. No one told them, they just did it. Every day, They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I know that you guys can't visualize something unless you've been to Israel. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The temple of Jesus, second temple period was the most glorious historically for the nation of Israel you can imagine. Solomon built a beautiful temple, but it was nothing compared to Herod's temple. It was much bigger, and Herod decided he wanted to make lift uh, the whole hill higher, so of all the seven hills, it would be the highest, which is Maria. And of course, the temple was built on a rock, which they believe, and still today the dome of the rock is over that rock, which is was in the Holy of Holies. There was, In the time of Christ, there was no... There was no Ark of the Covenant, they'd been lost 600 years already previous to Hezekiah time, they'd lost that Ark already, and so there was a rock in there that's still there today under the dome of the rock, and it was where Abraham was supposed to have sacrificed Isaac or was going to sacrifice him, and it's where life, all life begins, and that's where the third most holy place for the Muslims, they believe the same thing. And so this temple was built there, enormously beautiful, and only Levites can build a temple, and Herod had this was the most formidable builder in the time of Jesus. You'd go up to this magnificent, huge complex called the Temple, the temple Mount. you go up the stairs and you'd go through all the baptismal mikvahs and you'd go up those stairs through the holder arches and you'd go onto the, that platform, which was like 10 rugby fields. That's how big it was. So you could, at, at a festival of, of like sacrifices of when there was time for Passover, you could easily have 3,000 people on that platform. And you could imagine all the tables of the trading and the food and the, and the animals that they were selling and all the different money changing going on for the different coins because the temple had their own money system. Of course, you all knew that. I know you all know the stuff. It's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I know you'll read your Bibles. <laughs> and, so, and so Jesus spent a lot of time up there. And that's where he overturned the tables. Now, it says here, they met every day they came together in the temple courts. That huge space where Christians would come together and they'd have church on top of that temple. They're trying to reach all the people because the outer court was the was the court of the Gentiles. So anybody could come there. Then it's a place where only the Jews could go, but still, you had all peoples there that were coming to celebrate something spiritual. So they kept meeting there. They were focused on being a light and a testimony. That's what that scripture means. That's why I always encourage people to go to Israel to learn. So when we read that, oh, that's what that means. That's what it, you understand what you're learning, teaching, learning in the Word. Are you with me? So what I'm reading to you is the, is the aftermath of the outpouring, how the brethren became united and, and loving and kind to each other. And I'm ready for that to happen again. I'm ready for that supernatural. So I'm wondering, how can we do that? Well, first of all, the Holy Ghost is looking for a time to come where they would all be gathered together. So let's gather together and let's be expectant every time we have a service that the Holy Ghost will come. Let's give Him time to function, not be in a hurry. If Pastor John, for some reason, just stands there like his dad and looks up to the ceiling, be patient. Because I've seen the Holy Ghost move in our church many times, right from the tent days, supernatural. And God is going to do it again on a whole new level. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the destiny. It's supernatural. It's God's plan. And he'll do it right here if you're willing. You may see things you don't like, so I'm here to tell you, don't be offended. Get over it right now, today. Some stuff might not be right. I'd rather have a little bit of strange stuff. You know, Jesus said, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. He didn't say those words. The words he used was, listen to what Jesus said, strain out the gnats and don't swallow the camel. That's that's the exact words of Jesus in Matthew. That's the exact words of Jesus which means don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You didn't know, it's all in the Bible, guys. Read your Bible. Matthew's a, Matthew was the most dramatic one of them all. He was the most educated, you know, Matthew. Well, you know Matthew, don't you? You heard of Matthew, he was a tax collector. So Jesus walks by this tax booth and he calls him. He's a Galilean, 11 of the disciples of Galileans. They were blue collar, much lower class than the Judeans. And so Jesus called. And of course, this man, Matthew, for him to be a tax collector, he had to be educated. Most Jews have some education because they have to go to, to, to shul. they have to go to synagogue and read some Bible. But they were fishermen, they were farmers in the Galilean area. So you'd never educated people. But Matthew came from a very upper class home. I'll tell you how I know. It's all in the Bible. I <laughs> Want to stimulate your interest in the Word of God. So Matthew had a brother. His name was. James, so not James the brother of John. No, James, his own brother, had they had the same father. You'll see it's in the word. It's all in the word, and they call him Matthew Levi in one gospel, but Matthew doesn't call himself that. So Jesus says, Matthew, follow me, and he drops the money, and he can speak. He can speak Greek, Hebrew, and the Roman language because he wouldn't get the job otherwise. And so he follows Jesus, and that night they have party. And so he invites all these tax collector friends and what the Jews call sinners. Well, who are sinners? They're Gentiles, no, the ones that don't go to church. That's where the Jews, are. they're so religious and pious that if you don't go to synagogue and show yourself all how spiritual you are, you're a sinner. Now, if he had mom and dad close by, why didn't he invite his mom and dad to this wonderful gathering with Jesus? It's because there was something going on tension-wise in Matthew's life. But he doesn't even mention his family. Because they, didn't, they were mad at him for becoming a tax collector, because that's an insult for any Jew, because you're taking money to Caesar. And then secondly, he became a Christian, even worse, because they were devout Jews. And all that's in the word, just look at it all, read it all. It's all gently showing you peace by, oh come on guys, you must, all the disciples, you know, of course Peter, you've heard of Peter, right? He didn't come from Capernaum, or Capernaum as you call it, he came from Bethsaida. It says in the word, he came from Bethsaida. And we were here at a house in Capernaum because he was 24 years old. He got married, and Jesus comes and heals his mother in law. Do you know about that scripture? Well, his mother in law is in the house, they're just newly married, and mother law lives with you. No, you living with the mother in law <laughs> because you come from Bethsaida. So the house that's in Capernaum or Capernaum, it must be mother law's house. So where's the dad? He must have died. So they, she got all this, and the daughter married Peter. So now it's Jesus living there too. How do I know? Because one of the gospels says he came home to Capernaum. So he came home. They, that's what the scripture says. It's all there. Just go read your Bibles. <laughs> it's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at me like, I don't remember that. No, we'll read it. It's there. <laughs> it's all in the word. And the same with the Holy Ghost. We want the Holy Ghost to move in our church. So I'm inviting you to come here with a different expectancy in your heart as part of a family. We are a family. We're a a unit. We're not just checking it out to come to criticize and the pastor doesn't do it right. We're going to find fault. We're going to come here and believe God for an outpouring. We want to be part of it. Do you understand? We're looking to God to lead us into a supernatural outpouring and expect some unusual things that happen. You know, it's uh, the seven last words of a dying church are, it has never been done this way before. <laughs> when Rodney Howard Brown moved in this nation, people were debating. I was here with amongst leadership debating whether it was God or not. A lot of people thought it was not from the Lord because it didn't look like something they thought they read in a book. God is so unique. He's not limited to our understanding. He speaks one day through a burning bush. The next day he writes on the wall. The next day he he speaks through a donkey. The next day he speaks through a trout. Who knew? (laughs) All right, so I hope I taught you and inspired you somehow for the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful he sent the Holy Ghost.